U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. Along with that, there's also been an increase in certain medical diagnoses, such as miscarriages and Bell's palsy. Here to give us her take on the new data and what she believes could be causing the rise in numbers is emergency medicine and disaster specialist, Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr. Victory, good morning. Great to talk to you as always. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me. Okay, we want to make sure that anytime we talk, we want to make sure the information that we have is accurate. So let's start this interview by telling us, I've, I've seen your correspondence here, what is the source of the information that you're about to present? Well, this information became uh, available to me or on my radar last week following a hearing with Senator Ron Johnson, uh, who was looking at sort of what he calls a second opinion on the entire response to the COVID pandemic. The medical data was released by three career military physicians who got the information from the military database that collects what we call ICD codes, which are the diagnosis codes. And these physicians had a feeling, they believed based on their own observation that they were seeing a significant uptick in certain conditions. So they actually went back and called the database from the military on certain conditions over a five year period from 2016 through 2020, uh, notably con you or, uh, containing one year, 2020, of the full-blown pandemic. So they looked at 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20 at the prevalence of certain conditions, including things like heart attack, blood clots to the lung, miscarriages, those sorts of things. And they compared it to the incidence of those same things in the calendar year 2021 and saw an alarming increase in certain things. For example, they saw a 270% increase in myocardial infarction in 2021, a 300% increase in incidence of Bell's palsy and of certain neurologic complaints, uh, a 470% increase in pulmonary embolisms, blood clots to the lungs and many, many other huge increases that they found alarming. Now, no one is saying with any certainty, Jason, what is causing this, but we certainly would be remiss as scientists if we didn't look at that and say, there is something going on. What happened in 2021 that was so different from the previous five-year average that would cause this massive increase in certain medical conditions. So the, 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 the source of the information is several U.S. life insurance companies that have been reporting this, correct? And these three career physicians that you referred to. Well, there's, yes, they are separate groups of data. Jason, the previous study from the U.S. life insurance companies, many of them were reporting a 40% increase in deaths from all causes in the 18 to 49 year old group. They know that because these are life insurance companies that provide group life insurance policies to employers. So these are working age individuals with a 40% increase in all cause deaths. That was a different report from this bombshell that came out last week from, as I said, three career military physicians who are calling a military database uh, so they are two groups of data that show, uh, again, an alarm that something is going on. And the question is what? 
what has changed in calendar year 2021 that is causing, number one, an increase in all-cause deaths, as reported by the life insurance companies, and an increase in certain medical conditions, such as heart attacks, blood clots to the lungs, um, uh, congenital malformations of children born that year, female infertility, uh, and those sorts of things. Uh, did these three career military physicians offer any type of speculation? They did not, and they, but they d- did not do this anonymously. Uh, they signed an affidavit on this. Um, I have not seen the raw data. I'm not a military physician. I don't have access to that database, but I don't have any reason to believe at this juncture uh, that the data is in question. These are, again, based on ICD codes. And it should, I should make it clear because it's very easy to make statistics of these sorts um, deceptive. Uh, so when I say that there's a 300% increase, for example, in cancers is what they found, this wasn't an increase from one case to four cases. In the case of cancer, for example, it was an increase from an average, a five-year average of 38,000 cases per year to almost 120,000 cases in calendar year 2021. And actually, it wasn't even a full year. It was more like 11 months worth of data. Uh, And it was almost up to 120,000 cases of cancer. So the question is, what would cause that? Obviously, there's some conjecture uh, amongst people that it could be the COVID vaccines. That has yet to be proven. But again, we would be remiss if we said that we couldn't consider that. Maybe it's climate change. I don't know. But I sure as heck do know that we better be paying attention to it. Because real science, Jason, real science requires us to be intellectually curious. It requires us to ask the uncomfortable question and to look at data, even if that data makes us question previously held convictions. And so if we aren't able to look at this data, if we are silenced and shut down, and I can tell you, I posted a tweet about it yesterday after the data became clear to me that there was something going on. I simply posted as, wow, what's going on here? And the amount of vitriol that that single tweet generated was really quite stunning. The number of people who tweeted back that I should lose my medical license, that I should be kicked off Twitter, that I should be reported to the authorities is really alarming. The idea that people are so fearful of looking at actual data and asking the question, what is going on, is really a, a dangerous place for us. Um, do, you ex- uh, do you expect this uh, to information to be presented to the C- CDC? I certainly hope so. The CDC and the FDA should be all over this. That's their job. But instead, the idea that they are trying to silence people, the three military physicians who made it who released it have been termed whistleblowers in the past we just would have called them good doctors looking at patterns that's what doctors do that's what scientists are supposed to do look at patterns look at what seems unusual question those things bring them to the surface and do the deep dive analysis. We have many, many uh, questions in, in medicine that don't have answers. We sure as heck shouldn't have answers that can't be questioned. And if the problem turns out to be these vaccines 
and they certainly should be looking at it. That it is certainly one thing of perhaps many that changed in 2021 that could be responsible for some portion, if not all of these increases in various medical conditions. And it deserves to be fully exposed and to be examined very, very carefully. Okay, Dr. Kelly, victory. Appreciate it. It's gonna be interesting to see where this goes. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me, Jason. Have a great weekend. All right, all right. Hello, 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 everybody. Hey, welcome to this live cast. So good to see so many of you chatting there. I have with me tonight my partner in life and in crime, Evie Botello. Hey, Evie. Hey, how you doing? All right. Hey, uh, wow, so much to cover tonight. Um, what an incredible show we're going to have here. And we have to talk about some troubling stuff, and we're going to hopefully avoid and invade whatever censorship um, happens to still exist out there. So fast-moving target, we don't actually know where all the censorship comes from or why, but um, I've been a busy boy and hope I think I'm on a couple of lists um, here and there. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I'm over. Naughty, huh? Maybe I'm overstating my own my own importance in this whole thing. But no, it's it's been happening to a lot of people. In fact, if you saw, Elon Musk went ahead and and uh, announced that he had bought 9.3 percent of Twitter stock, and that created this enormous. Um, immediate backlash within Twitter. And one of the things that I saw was we saw a lot of people suddenly getting their accounts suspended off of Twitter. Pepe Escobar, 35-year uh, investigative journalist, boom, gone. Really? Right? Juanita Broderick, who's who's one of Bill Clinton's victims, uh, just boom, gone. Um, a couple of accounts that I follow that uh, were giving me, I thought, a fair and balanced view on, let's just call it geopolitical things, because you can't even say those words here right now, because that's our most sensitive narrative control that's going on. So that's the world we live in right now. But today we're going to start with something a lot more somber than that, which is that deaths of working age adults are up over 40% above expected values. Hey, Aaron, let's go to uh, video clip one. I just want to hear that intro real quick. And we and are seeing be- right now the highest death rates we have ever seen in the history of this business the highest death rates they have ever seen in the history of business. Scott Davidson, CEO he of, uh, of a life insurance company, what he's talking about there is that um, they've been in business since like 1896. So, uh, yeah, I was about to ask, how, how long is that? Uh, that would be through <coughs> what we would call technically World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, um, a variety of high mortality events and things like that. And uh, um, they're seeing death rates that are really inexplicable. So this is 18 to 64 year olds. And this has just come up as a as a significant feature of 2021. And it's carrying here into early 2022 as well. So we're gonna explore that a little bit. It's just data. I don't have any particular things I want to say about it. I've got some hints, but we're gonna take a look at that. Let's um let's go to that longer clip. And Aaron, I may ask you to stop it here and there, but this is again CEO of a major life insurance company and these people got the goods right they have they have the data right they've got decades and decades of data they they track the statistics really really carefully right they have a financial incentive in knowing how long people are going to live and when they die early that's their incentive 
is I've recently discovered hospitals had a very strong incentive mm-hmm. to classify people as having COVID, right? Because they got a 20% kicker if they put them on remdesivir. They got right. a, a 20% kicker if, if they had to um, go into up through the stage from uh, into ICU. They, they got a $39,000 bonus if they had to put them on a vent. Um, so, hey, yep. Charlie Munger says, you show me the incentive, I will show you the outcome. Well, Scott Davidson and the life insurance companies, they have an incentive here to track what's going on with the people that they cover. Okay, longer clip, let's let's take a listen. And we are seeing right now the highest death rates we have ever seen in the history of this business, not just at One America. The, the data is consistent across every player uh, in, in, that, in that business. Now this is primarily um, working age people, 18 to 64 that are in employers like all the employers on, on the screen here. And what we saw just in third quarter, we're seeing it continue into fourth quarter, is that uh, death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic. Now, just to give you a, a, an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or a one in 200 year uh, catastrophe would be 10% increase uh, over pre-pandemic. So uh, 40% is just unheard of. And what the data is showing us is that um, the deaths that are being reported as COVID deaths greatly understate the actual death losses among working age people from the pandemic. It may not all be COVID on their death certificate, but deaths are up uh, at just a huge, huge numbers. Uh Whoa. All right. So let's decode that a little bit. There's a bunch to unpack in there. He said some really important things right at the end. He said, we can't we can't uh, ascribe all of this to COVID. So he's already admitting that. He goes on later to suggest that maybe this is because people were un or under vaccinated, um, but it's just a theory. They didn't actually have any data for that. But what we do have is a forty percent increase. And he said something. Um, Aaron, let's bring the slides in because I, I have to I have to unpack this. This is really important <laughs> understanding. The teacher in you just cannot I can't, resist. I can't help it. In I fact, know. I may have to get, get my drawing your, uh, tool. Oh, out. right. Get your uh, notebooks and pencils out, please. No, nah, it's not. It's not that kind of learning. It's a different <laughs> kind of learning. Um, all right, Aaron, I'm not seeing this over on the display monitor here. Um, so while we're getting that up, oh, I see it there now. It's in front of me there. So uh yeah, so this is a quote. This is in Daily Costs. Uh, so I pulled this from a fairly what we consider left-leaning place. Just so you understand, I'm not. I'm not this got so politicized. Yeah. You when know? did you have to start saying this is not a left? I'm not. Blah blah blah. I've never been left <laughs> not right. Left or right. <laughs> I've never been left right. I'm. I'm like for integrity versus lack of integrity. You know, I'm up down. Um, so I don't care where I find that integrity, but. Um, what we're seeing here is, is so, I mean, some people might say, hey, are you finding all this stuff like, you know, over on Breitbart or Fox News or something, mm-hmm. something right leading? So I specifically pull things from other places just to show, mm-hmm. look, this is this is maybe that diffuses that the political angle a little bit. Right. So, OK, right. that's good to know. All right. Well, here we are in daily costs. And, and what they say here is uh, you see, he says, just to give you an idea, quoting here. How bad that is, a three sigma or 200 year catastrophe would be a 10% increase over pre-pandemic levels. They saw a 40% increase, okay? Um, hey, Aaron, I still need display on this monitor over here, if you could. Um, so this is what, we, we, got, we got to talk about this. Perfect, thank you, that's awesome. 
Um, so what does that mean, a Three Sigma event? So we're going to get what wonky. What does that mean, Dr. Martinson? I told you there would be no math, and I <laughs> lied. Um, oh, this is so this is really cool. So this is where statistics <laughs> comes to life. I think there's, there's uh, trust me, I'm going to land this bird on a branch. <laughs> you should uh, see our dates. <laughs> Date night is amazing with this man. <laughs> oh, yeah. You could... I bring out my TI-85 calculator. It's amazing. Um, so three sigma. So this is a normal bell curve of distribution. So if we were measuring, say, the height of people in Boston or San Francisco or any large place with a lot of people in it, a million plus, you would find this sort of bell curve of heights, right? And so one standard deviation is a statistical measure that says, Within a normal distributed population, you would find roughly two-thirds of the data would fall within this. Let's say that's like for men, 5'3 to 5'10, you know, something like that. That's where you'd find two-thirds of your data. But by the time you've gotten to two standard deviations, you are now covering 95.5% of the data. And by the time you get to three standard deviations, three sigma, a standard deviation is called a sigma, three sigma is covering 99.7% of the data. So you can see over here on the side, there's a little table that says, well, if this thing happened, you know, we're looking for something approximate frequency for a daily event. If it had a one sigma event, you'd expect to see it twice a week. And if this daily event uh, happened with two sigma frequency, you would see it every three weeks. If it was three sigma, you'd see it yearly. But by the time you got down to, say, six sigma, you should see this thing happening every 1.5 million years, right? So, oh my. so there's very, very little data out there. I'm raising all of this because it's been described that this 40% increase in deaths is a 10 sigma event. It's just a little bit unlikely, right? <laughs> just a little, just a little bit. So, so let me let me let me let me drive this home. So this this was fun. Um, so this here is uh, uh, showing up here is height in the USA. Um, and so, Aaron, just bring that slide back up if you could. Great. So this is showing height of women in red. And you see this, this beautiful bell curvy sort of an approach here. And these are in inches. So 61 inches is 5 feet 1 inches. And um, very, very few women are out here at uh, 6 feet, right? Very few. They exist, but there's very few. The tail is very small. This is 6 foot uh, for men. It's 72 inches right here. And this would be the height of men. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can see that very, very few men actually statistically are over six feet. But if you go on, I've heard if you go on the Tinder app, women are 98 percent asking for men that are over six feet. <laughs> so 98 percent of women are asking for three percent of the men. It creates trouble. I'm, I'm sure it does. Not, not as much trouble as China, though. All right. That's so, just unfortunate. So, so let, let, I think this drives it home, though. So, so here it is. Um, so oh, let me get rid of this little thing right here this is i don't need this little box right here so uh this was a cool story i just stumbled across yesterday uh, a minnesota family has now been confirmed in the uh guinness book of world records as the tallest family in the world uh family of five the trap family that's <laughs> a great name <laughs> sound of music Scott, Chrissy, Savannah, Molly, and Adam, collectively, they have an average height, average, of 6 feet 8.03 oh. inches. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty tall. I think one of the brothers is like 7'5 or something. But anyway, yeah, they all got their, their hands up on the ceiling there. So, <laughs> but this is, this is now confirmed 
is the tallest family in the world. Eight billion people, four people in a family. Let's say there's two billion families out there. This is the tallest family in the whole world. They are every you know standard deviation, like one in two billion. There's a one in two billion chance that these people were going to be the world's tallest family. And so that's what we saw there is this. All you have to have is an average height of six feet, eight inches, and you are a multi-sigma event. You have a <laughs> one in several billion chance of actually being these people way out there on the end of the bell curve, right? So, so that's how these things work. Um, and so I thought maybe that was kind of a fun way to talk about uh, the, the actual uh, way in which this standard deviation thing works. So, so it's unusual is what it's you're saying. It's unusual. Really bizarre and it's different. It's unusual. So when Scott Davison talks about how uh, this is a more than three sigma event, he wasn't just saying under 10%, a 10% increase in deaths in working age people, 18 to 64, would be a three sigma event. Expect it once every couple hundred years to happen by accident, but 40%. There's no area left under the tails of those curves. This is so unlikely that the first thing that ought to happen in an intelligent, intact society that actually cared about its own people would be a huge flurry of activity. You'd be reading about this daily. The CDC would be sending teams of people out. They would be combing through all the records. That's what would be happening. So is it all cause mortality that that? I mean, obviously, we don't know what people were were perishing from. Well, we know some people died from suicide because it was it was bad. Um, yeah. We know some people died from fentanyl overdoses, which is a form of suicide in some cases, in essence, right? People yeah. checking out. We know that um, there was some, but once you even factor those out, you can't explain all of this. So mm. something is happening out there. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, we've got we've got to talk about that. So I see a lot of comments up here, and um, people are talking about. Uh, wow, so many shorties in that chat. What's up, ladies? <laughs> from, who knows? Uh, so, yeah, so, but I, we got to talk about this because this should be absolutely something that's being talked about, like, just con- just constantly. And by the way, um, get to the point, Chris. I'm getting there, Yeah, Robert. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> Working on it. Um, well, let's... Um, so is this just certain, this is uh, the gentleman that was talking, if you don't mind explaining, um, is he talking about the entire world population or was this specific nations only? I mean, where do they get all these Oh, Scott numbers? Davis, well, he's talking about all the people in their database. So they, they provide life insurance for like 10 million people. So it's a fairly large sample size. Okay. It's representative. In fact, um, that's plenty to say this is extrapolatable across the entire population of the United States. They serve enough people, right? Mm-hmm. So in statistics, the sample size matters. If this was, if they had 10 people in their population, it would be meaningless. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They have 10 million. All right. So I'm going to get to where we're going with that. But but there's a really important story we're getting to tonight, which is about this really critical concept. And it's known as the common knowledge game. We're going to get there. It's going to be really important. First, hey, Aaron, let's go to that next clip, which um, let me think is uh, that Sunday agenda clip. What do you got? Let's pull that one up real quick if we can. Uh, I thought this was really astonishing. Uh, This is Australia. This is a very, very major program there. This isn't like some right wing smallish channel. This is actually one of the premier large channels. Go. 
Uh, Ollie wants to just to uh, watch this space at this stage. Nothing coming out of the Port Adelaide team this morning came over. His subbing out of the game on Thursday night for nausea slash heart reasons. He spent time in hospital and yeah, it's just a it's a big unknown as to as to when he will play again. It may be as soon as this week, but nothing coming out of the club. There's a lot of this going on in world sport at the moment. Well, in the world. World sports. Yeah, I, I think a lot of athletes have got these issues. And are you, Brownie, referring to the booster shots oh, and the, the booster shots? That's obviously COVID. Yeah. Um, the word going around. Look, it's, it's been discussed. I haven't been able to get an official line on that from anyone attached to, to Ollie Wines at this stage. But, yeah, the question is being asked and put to me and, and others, including yourself, uh, by a lot of people about but a possibility of that. But it's not, it's not just the heart issues. I mean, like, you know, without delving into your private affairs, um, you know, you've got Bell's palsy yeah. at the moment, which hopefully yeah. you're on the back yeah. end of that. But there's a bit of that going around as well. Yeah, exactly. It's got heart issues and Bell's palsy has gone through the roof uh, since the boosters and, and COVID issues, so no doubt. And we had Mike Angelo Rucci on AW on Friday night and he said that wines is it's, it's a field there's a ward filled with people with similar symptoms in Adelaide to Ollie Wines so nausea heart issues so there has to be something more to it yeah well, and, and just we're not anti-vaxxers we've all done our due diligence with our booster shots and all that sort of stuff but there is going to have to be some study done on this mm. not just in a sporting yeah. sphere yeah. but uh, a you know like a community sphere. And, and you're right though because we don't want to get into the space we're not experts in at all but but from, oh, we do two hours that, of that every sunday don't we, we often do that <laughs> but when it comes to the medical side we try and stay clear all right well huh <laughs> so Bell's palsy, a little bit of that going around. He's like, I got it. Going around. Oh my His God. mouth is like, it's going around. Poor guy. Oh my God. So um, they're, they're, they're openly saying, like, can we talk about this yet? Can, can we just have a conversation? Bell's yeah. palsy, a little bit of that going around. But all these major sports stars, and of course, you know, coming down with this shortness of breath, with the heart condition, some of them retiring. We saw this in tennis, right? So. Australia had that famous, famous case of um, Novak Djokovic, the world's premier tennis star at that point in time, refusing to get a shot. And he said, I don't have to. My body is, is my temple. I take very, very good care of it, given my age and the general health I'm in, plus the fact that I already had COVID. There is no need for me to get one of these shots because the shot would give me zero benefit, would give anybody else zero benefit, but would give me risk. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that this sent the Australian authorities into a tizzy because they want to recognize the opposite of both those conditions. Like, oh, no, no, this this helps protect other people, and it's totally safe, right? So that was the, the story they wanted to carry. And, of course, Novak was running against that. And so that created a big brouhaha. And then months later, there was a little bit of irony, which was that the then world champion star had to withdraw from a match because of heart condition. So there's something going on here, right? Mm -hmm. And um, this gets us uh, close to something called the common knowledge game when it's okay to talk about these things, not in whispered tones, just to say it quite openly. So I want to talk about that in just a bit. But first, um, Aaron, let's go to that last clip here. Uh, This is uh, another person in Australia talking about a 40% jump in code 1s. A code 1 is a, is a very serious condition when you send out an ambulance. That's a heart attack. It's a stroke. It's a There's code 1s. I guess there's code 2s, etc. Um, so she's talking about that. And Aaron, we're not going to play this one all the way to the end. I just want to get through that, that first bit there. I'll tell you when. Yeah, I don't think anyone can explain why we saw a 40% jump in code 1s. And I've, I've seen that as I've travelled around the state sometimes. I'll walk into an ambulance service and they'll say, 
we had a 30% increase in code ones yesterday. Can't tell you why. We just had a lot of heart attacks and chest pains and hmm. trouble you know, breathing, respiratory issues. Sometimes you can't explain why those things happen, but unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Some, we don't know. You can't. You just can't explain these things. And and you know what? We can't. I don't have the explanation, but I do know that that would send a normal, healthy, intact culture into a bit of a tizzy. And they would say, "Let's find this out." Out of the context of COVID and all the insanity and the mass psychosis programming and all of that, which has happened, if we were in 2019 and we saw a 40 percent surge in code ones mm-hmm. and in deaths. In working age people, this would have been a huge tizzy. If it had been determined that this was because of something that had been slipped into our salad bars by some Middle Eastern terrorists, like trust me, there would have been huge amounts of attention on it. But right now, we're still getting that gaslighting mm-hmm. of that you must be a little crazy for at even asking the question that we would want to understand what's going on there. Right. Um, and. And I get that a lot of people would say, oh, well, this must be a long-term impact. This this is long COVID. Mm-hmm. It's long COVID. Could be. But how would we know? Right? So we don't actually have the data to say one way or the other what this is. But what we do have is, again, that temporal association. That's how we do things in science. So the first thing you would notice is, well, are these was this a steady elevation that started right when COVID came along? No. This is a real boost that actually starts and picks up. Uh, speed in 2021. Remember, COVID arrived in 2020. So the first hypothesis you might make is, well, it takes a year after somebody gets COVID for that to develop into these things that we're now seeing. Mm-hmm. It's a legit hypothesis, right? Sure. Or hey, it could be something else um, that came along right around 2020, 2021. So <clears throat> at, at any rate, we're, we don't really have a good and full inquiry into that yet. Um, do you, why do you think that is? I mean, aside from what you're saying, which is that we can't really discuss these things as openly as we might like to at this time, right? Well, l- let's just be clear. Science <clears throat> has been completely destroyed in this country. So science is curiosity and, and it's asking and answering questions. You form hypotheses. They don't have to work. Mm-hmm. You, you form a hypothesis. Hey, I think this is because of long COVID. You go out and you gather some data. It either supports or it refutes that hypothesis. Your choice, right? So that's how it should work. Yeah. It's not how it's been working for quite a while now. So one of the things I I talk about with the FLCCC doctors all the time um, is the extent to which COVID broke the medical system versus how much it revealed how broken it already was. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these really good doctors, very high integrity people, always doing the right things for their patients. Mm -hmm. And they came to a sort of that hard red pill conclusion red pill in the matrix. That's the one you take when you want to see reality, as it were, unpleasant though it may be. They had the red pill stripping away where they suddenly realized that many of the people they worked with did not share their passion for helping people, Mm -hmm. did not care about patient outcomes nearly as much as they cared about not rocking the boat, being in the center of whatever the, the, the polite society would think, not getting in trouble at, at meetings. You know, as long as you do what the protocol tells you to do, you don't get in trouble in the system. And the protocol, who writes the protocol would be the next question, right? Exactly. And, um, but that's not doctoring. A protocol could be administered by a, 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 like a Nokia 1997 phone. <laughs> 
right? That, that level of brain power, you know? <laughs> and by the way, great phones. But um, yeah, so. So do you think that maybe these people, I mean, or, or let's take the U.S. in general, that um, we got... When we when people are afraid, they tend to have the tunnel vision, right, where they aren't able to sort of take in new data and information. Everything sort of goes down to a much uh, narrower lens of, you know, seeing things. I'm just wondering if people are have become so obsessed on some level with COVID, they're not actually able to help people anymore. Instead, they're just unable to see some of these wider lensed things and the facts of what's happening with the side effects from the jab and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it seems like everyone went into some sort of crazy making around the masks and, you know, lockdowns and are you vaccinated or not? And and, and so we stopped asking the other important critical questions about keeping our society healthy, like children being able to see the lips of their care providers and, mm-hmm. and not having, you know, speech yeah. issues or et cetera. I mean, we all know these issues are are very wide yeah. and deep but i'm just curious about what could be happening that's causing people to not see this glaring headline about you know the amount of death going on i mean it's going to happen anyway to all of us but well uh, i've covered this in a number of past programs about um uh, the common knowledge game is is the piece we're going to get to in just a bit but we talked about Uh, mass formation psychosis, which is a psychological process whereby uh, when people are under, when a population of people are under a certain amount of stress or anxiety, or they have an outside free-floating anxiety from some fear, right? And in times past, those fears included um, things like, oh, witches or vapors or um, something like that, uh, you know, and then Obviously, in World War II, there was Jews, and today it's people are scared of a virus, mm-hmm. right? And, and that fear was really, really whipped up, right? Mm-hmm. So the survival rate off of this virus, depending on your age, is anywhere from 99.995 all the way and up to, you know, something much less than that, like 98-something But if you're over 80, right? But it's, it's a very, very high survival rate. Um, especially under a certain age. And so the, the fear was way out of proportion to the actual risk in this particular story. So we saw that happen. And once people get into that anxiety state, they're just looking to release that fear. They just don't want the fear to go. And if authorities tell them the way you release the fear is to just do this, you know, you know, just do this one more thing, like just wear a mask, wear two masks, um, wash your fruits and vegetables before they come through the door, take this jab, second jab, third jab, fourth. Like we just saw that there was a recommendation, you know, that uh, they get, a, that people get a fourth jab. So a, a fourth jab. For, really? Well, but that could make a lot of sense if the jabs worked at all for these variants, which they kind of don't, <laughs> right? Nobody nobody can really connect that. Like the, <clears throat> these variants, Omicron, BA1, BA2, and now unfortunately there's BA3, 4, and 5 sweeping out from somewhere. Really? They always arise in South Africa. It's kind of weird. I'm really concerned. I'm really suspicious about that too. I'm very suspicious these days. Um, but uh, so what you're talking about is this this mass formation psychosis. A lot of people really lost their moorings. Mm in this story it's too bad um as a nation i mean what what ties us together anyway like we don't have the same 
we all come from different backgrounds. You know, the things that make America really wonderful in terms of um, all of our differences sort of in the melting pot that is the USA, I think, maybe one of the drawbacks is that we don't have a, a lot of shared sort of ritual or holidays or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering, um, anyhow, there's so many questions about this. I know we've gone over it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But. So we can, we can, we can pick that up in just a bit. Um, I see some people here. Uh, hey, Honey Badger, you're absolutely right, Midge. We've got that going on. And um, somebody's suggesting here, must be a lab in South Africa. Well, thanks, Rooster. Um, <laughs> I don't know where the lab is, but the, why these variants keep coming in South Africa? You know, it there's billions weird. of people all over the world, and they keep just, like, popping up rock star in, in South Africa. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, it's, a little, it's starting to weird me out a little. Um, because, of course, these Omicron variants have almost nothing to do with each other, like from a genetic lineage standpoint. Like practically nothing to do with each other. Are are the new ones like that as well? I yeah, yeah, they're been following. I, I haven't seen the sequencing of this latest BA five, but of course it got splashed out as part of this a little bit more fear. They're like, this one's going to be worse than the other ones. Um, how much worse? We don't know, but and I hope it's not worse because I, I mean, aren't we all aren't we all done with this at this point? So, mm -hmm. but let's talk about the the importance of those sportscasters daring to say something on television like they did. I think they must have hit their personal limit. I mean, one of them is in there with Bell's palsy. The obvious left side of his face is all droopy. Uh, I'm sure that's devastating to somebody who's got an on-air persona and identity, and um, it's happened to a lot of folks. So let's let's go there now. So I want to, this is a really important piece of framing. Um, I tell people about this one all the time. Like, I, I probably whip this out like once a week. And it's not <laughs> mine. This comes from Ben Hunt. He's a, a wonderful thinker. You see, he writes it for his own site called EpsilonTheory.com. Brilliant guy. And I like the way he frames things. So my personal attraction is for people who spend the time, they think things through, and then they change how I think about things. And so this guy very forcefully changes how I think about things with a minimum of words. Like this guy will do it in three paragraphs. Next thing you know, I'm thinking about things differently. This was one of those moments. And when I first came across this, the common knowledge game, and of course, this is actually defines the work before us. So if you consider yourself to be in this tribe of people who's here, you know, using your lifetime to try and make things better, you have to know about the common knowledge game. It's that important because this is actually what we're up to and what we're about to do. I spent a lot of my life because, as I say, I'm a quick learner. Eventually, <laughs> I spent a lot of time trying to convince people with data before I realized data doesn't do it. Mm -mm. It just doesn't. You can have all the data in the world, but somebody who's holding a belief that's resistant to that data won't matter. Oh, so, so what does what does change people's minds? How do we do that? Some people you have to get in under their belief systems and figure out how to arrange the information so that it doesn't trigger their belief system, early warning, minefields, you know, protection <laughs> systems. For everybody else, it's really a question of they, they need to be in this, in the fold of people in the common knowledge game. So what is this? You see here, he's got a picture of Harvey Weinstein, um, Weinstein, I think. Yeah, this would be Weinstein. Uh, and Matt Damon here, of course, Harvey Weinstein is that famous uh, Hollywood guy. And uh, so here we go. Is this different than the Overton window? Very different. Overton window defines what's polite to talk about, but it relates. Okay. I think it relates. Okay. Um, but here we go. 
So, quote, the public unmasking of Harvey Weinstein as a serial rapist, that's the word people, is an archetypal play of the common knowledge game and recognizing its dynamics should open everyone's eyes to other high and mighty people and ideas, how they can take that fall. The core dynamic of the common knowledge game is this. How does private knowledge become not public knowledge, but common knowledge? Common knowledge is something that we all believe everyone else believes. Common knowledge is usually also public knowledge, but it doesn't have to be. It may still be private information locked inside our own heads, but so long as we believe that everyone else believes this trapped piece of private information, (laughs) that's enough for it to become common knowledge. (laughs) In green, the reason this dynamic, the transformation of private knowledge into common knowledge is so important is that the social behavior of individuals does not change on the basis of private knowledge. That's the data. Mm-hmm. I can give you all the data. It still is not going to be change most people's behavior. Mm-hmm. No matter how pervasive it might be, even if everyone in the world believes a certain piece of private information, no one will alter their behavior. Behavior changes only when we believe that everyone else believes the information. That's what changes behavior. And when that transition to common knowledge happens, behavior changes fast. So that's why I'm constantly tracking for signs of anything that looks like this private information. So there's a lot of people out there with private information about how vaccines, they suspect that Mm -hmm. vaccines may have contributed to some condition they have or exacerbated some condition or or had some impact that was anything other than safe and effective. And we're seeing more and more and more of that. But by the time, here's my hypothesis, we have four very prominent public sportscasters. And and maybe I'm wrong, but I project that sportscasters of anybody are really fully invested in sort of being the everyman, like being in the center of it. You know, it's really, it's sort of a middle of the middle of the um, mass sort of a thing. I think by the time they're out there actively going, can we talk about this? This I'm not anti-vax, but isn't this a little weird? Right. I hate that line before. Well, we're very, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not anti-vax, but, but, um, well, I mean, y'all have to say that, right? That's the call and response. That's our, that's our, I know. I'm just anti everything. You know, I'm such a rebel. Preacher says this, you say, (laughs) amen, you go back and forth, right? It's just a, it's a thing. But, um, uh, so at any rate, that, that's actually very close to that coming out and becoming part of common knowledge. And when common knowledge happens, it happens fast. Okay. So um, that's why I really want to bring this idea up. And so let me carry on. Let, let's carry this idea. Well, let, mm, let me just, let's reiterate this. So common knowledge is something that we believe mm-hmm. everyone else believes. Let's find something. Right. <laughs> What's your private it's, piece of information? I got a lot of private information. All right. Come on. Um, what do you think everybody else knows? Well, I mean, make it personal. I mean, this is so, so all right. Well, let, he, Ben's going to make it personal for us. Let, let me go okay. into this because I think he does a great job with this. Um, so let's go to this next slide here. And um, uh, quote, the classic example of this is the fable of the emperor's new clothes. Everyone in the teeming crowd possesses the same private information. They're all with their own two eyes going, that dude is naked. Right. <laughs> but they, they don't believe everybody else knows that because, of course, in the tale of the emperor's new clothes, the emperor's spun the tail 
with his tailor's help. You're going to get in trouble for this one. I said Scandalous. naked. I said naked. It's close. I don't think you can get in trouble for that yet. Maybe next year. Um, anyway, so everybody believes that this whole story, but they have their private information. It's like, he looks naked, right? So everybody possesses the same private information, which is the emperor is walking around as naked as a jaybird. But no one's behavior changes just because the private information is ubiquitous. It's every, everybody in the crowd has it. That doesn't change. That, that doesn't do it. Nor would behavior change just because a couple of people whisper their doubts to each other. So this is like a person behind you in the bus. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about Aunt Sally after her second jab, right? It, it's still, you could share it, but it's still private. Remember, common knowledge is when everybody believes that everybody else has this information. It is actually irrelevant if everybody else has the information. It's about everybody believing that everybody else has the information. Mm -hmm. And that's when it all sort of turns over, right? Um, so nor would behavior change just because a couple of people whisper their doubts to each other, creating pockets of public knowledge that the emperor's naked. So that's where we are. We have lots of pockets of public knowledge mm -hmm. that hasn't quite gelled to that last piece. I believe this is what the battle is right now, that they in this story, the censors, are desperately afraid of, and they know this dynamic as well as I do or you do now, now that you understand this, they're desperately trying to keep things from becoming common knowledge. Mm -hmm. And they have many tricks at their disposal to do this, right? Um, they can distract, deflect, deny, all of those things. So you may have noticed, as things start to get closer and closer to common knowledge, whoops, there's something there to distract us, right? Next thing you know, every newspaper in the UK is flooded with the Queen's health from COVID and she's 90, whatever, and they go, you know, back. And as soon as that people refocus off of that and come back to this idea of, well, you know what happened to Aunt Sally? And boom, there's this, th that's, they're desperately afraid, I believe. Mm -hmm. Hypothesis. I, I believe that there are a group of people that are desperately afraid of what will happen if or when the things that we're holding as private and in pockets of public knowledge become common knowledge. That's the game. And, and they're doing their level best to keep it from coming into common knowledge. And that's where it's really important. Remember in mass formation psychosis, the most important people are those who simply stand up and resist. They are the people that stop that mass psychosis formation from, from going further and ending in atrocities, which is where it always goes. And so you need those brave people who are willing to stand up and say no, right? And mm -hmm. we, we have our examples that are out there. But there comes that magic moment where all of a sudden you don't need those people anymore because poof, it trans it makes this magic transformation across culture into common knowledge. So, so that's the work. The work is you say this, I say this, we all say these things enough times, and then it just happens one day. Abracadabra. Abracadabra. So <clears throat> let, let's go back to that slide. Um, I want to finish this out. Um, uh, no, the only thing that changes behavior is when the little girl, what in game theory would be called a missionary, announces the emperor's nudity loudly enough so the entire crowd believes that everyone else in the crowd has heard the news, and that's when the behavior changes. And, of course, they all burst out laughing, and the emperor is, like, embarrassed and covers up. According to the children's book I read, he covered up, right? <laughs> you could imagine that if that emperor right was Russell Brand, he wouldn't have covered up. He would have just proudly swung around <laughs> said deal with it right but this this emperor was a little more <laughs> a little more chaste than that right mm -hmm. all right quote and so it was with harvey weinstein apparently it, it was no great secret that he's a serial rapist apparently everyone in hollywood was familiar with the stories it was ubiquitous private knowledge and pretty darn ubiquitous 
public knowledge. I mean, if you're making jokes about it on 30 Rock, it's not exactly a state secret. So that's how public it was. They were making jokes about it, right? You know, it's it's in a it's in a sitcom. Mm-hmm. And the sitcom, you know, one of the lines was something along the lines of like, oh, you're going to see uh, Harvey, um, you know, make sure you, uh, you know, wear your chastity belt or whatever, right? You know, they were making jokes about it. So that's how, that's how ubiquitous people were making jokes about it. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't sufficient to carry that over the goal line and to make it become common knowledge. This is like what just happened with uh, at the <clears throat> at the most recent award ceremony where hmm. that kind of almost speaks to what you're talking about, I think, doesn't which, it? Wait, which, which where, event? You mean the Will Smith slap? Yes, yes. Because basically what was coming out of <laughs> the comedian's mouth was something that, you know, he was willing to treat as public knowledge and joke about and blah, blah, blah. And clearly that wasn't what Will Smith <clears throat> wanted to have out there. I mean, I don't know. It feels like an example of that. Something changed there. I'd have to analyze that a little more, but something, something, that was a moment. Um, and I'm not sure how real and versus manufactured yeah, it was. Either. I don't I don't know yet. All right, let's, let's carry on because I got to finish this one last piece out here. So, um, <laughs> uh, but there, there was never a missionary. There was never anyone in, in the, never was a missionary for the for uh, the Harvey Weinstein situation, there was never anyone willing to shout the information so loudly and so publicly that it became common knowledge. And that's what Rose McGowan did. That's the power of Twitter and modern celebrity to establish missionaries and create common knowledge. Once that common knowledge was created, once all the private holders of all of Weinstein's dirty secrets believed that everyone else believed that he was a serial rapist, then everyone's behavior changed on a dime. His publicists and lawyers and partners and colleagues and board of directors and wife were shocked, shocked, I tell you, to hear of his behavior and certainly would no longer be representing him or working with him or associating with him ever again, even though nothing had changened in the information they already possessed. That's nothing so happened. Weird. This is just people. We're talking people. Ditto with Weinstein's other victims, right? Their behavior changed as well. It's not a knock or a slam on them because many of them came out of the the woodwork after. It's like, oh, yeah, me too, right? And he's saying, listen, this isn't a knock or a slam on them. In the absence of common knowledge, staying quiet, whether you're in a better or a victim, is the rational thing to do. In fact, this is what Weinstein and his abettors count on, that their threats and shaming and bribes will set up a Hobson's choice for the victims. Sure, you can go public, but no one will believe you, and then we will ruin you. So yeah, go ahead. Your choice. Of course, no one goes public because a Hobson's choice is not a real choice. Only a victim with missionary power, and that's a really rare thing, has the option to not just go public with the story, because simply going public is not enough to change behavior, but to create common knowledge with the story. End quote. So this, this is, this is, that's the work. So, and we've had a couple of, I thought, really powerful missionaries come forward. We had, um, Maddie DeGarry, Maddie DeGarry. (laughs) Um, she's a power, like she's an actual victim, Mm -hmm. right? And her mother, Stephanie DeGarry. Yeah. Right. Very powerful. We, we had, um, Kyle Wilson, the, no, Kyle Warner, the, the, uh, mountain bike champion, the 29 year old guy who, who, Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, so these are these are appropriate people to be sort of those those missionaries, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was going to say Joe Rogan because he kind of does that. 
<clears throat> yeah, I've well, I mean, yeah, no, he, he's definitely standing out there and, and taking a lot of risks and um, and being courageous. And that's really important because you need cor- courage alone isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You need courage in the people who have that missionary capability as well. Mm-hmm. And they exist out there. But boy, our system can't ignore them fast enough. Right. Because they represent this threat. And if you're wondering what's the threat, like, why wouldn't we just say, oh, yeah, sometimes there were some rare effects. And we should take care of these people. We shouldn't gaslight them. You know, well, how, how would we go about doing that? And we would publicly recognize it. But if you're afraid of the common knowledge game, you have to do everything in your power to prevent even that first little girl from crying out, the emperor's naked. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think this is, this is just really, really uh, uh, an important concept. So that's actually the work I'm in. That's the work I consider myself to be in. And... You're in it with me, and we're in it with all these uh, doctors that, and other people who are working really hard. Uh, there's truckers out there. People are trying to bring forward this idea that, look, there's something really not right in the system, and, and we'd like to correct it. We would like to have a, a better future we can believe in. To get there, we have to be able to have private knowledge become public knowledge become common knowledge. And now I think we can understand why there was such an incredible disruption in the force as Elon Musk strode in, smashed aside some share ownership, said, I might want to be on the board of Twitter. The, think of the confusion. Think of how think of how damaging that would be. Imagine if Twitter was a place you could suddenly put your ideas out there as you had them and they weren't going to be suppressed by an algorithm or by literal censors. Your account wasn't going to be suspended because you held a different view from the prevailing orthodoxy. That's a changed world. So then he, he went into the board and everybody's like, oh my God, he's going to be on the board. He's going to be on the board. It's going to be bad. <laughs> he said, no, thanks. Don't want any part of that. And then he made an offer for to just buy the whole company saying that place is totally defective, meaning he would just fire everybody who's working there in the management. And, and But um, uh, that's a highly dis- disruptive event potentially because then we could get to what I think is the core of our problem, which is a lack of accountability among people who need to be held to account, um, people who severely messed up in their roles and or uh, self-enriched and or did things that were um, in their own narrow best interest against the public best interests. Um, that, that's a lot, of what's, a lot of what's going on there. So, yeah, uh, love button. I actually like Elon now. Me too. Uh, I was waiting for him to throw his his uh, his weight around for something that would make me uh, uh, really really enjoy what he's up to, um, and uh, so yeah, uh, Elon is now somebody who's who's uh, on my yeah I like mm, it I like I it a lot. Um, well, that's an interesting one. Yeah, free speech for fifty four bucks a share <laughs> or which one? <laughs> oh, it's highlighted. Uh, Sherry, it, oops, did it go away? People do not want to see the negative because it is hard for them to process um, that they must right made here. a decision to put their own lives at risk too much to process what has occurred. I think that's true on some level. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get totally like after sort of browsing the quote media world of media, I just get tired. You know, I, I don't enjoy it that much to continue subjecting myself to it. Yep. <clears throat> yep. You know, it, I, I must be different than average people because it doesn't draw me in anymore but Mm. i think it 
you know, for everybody out there, I think it's a lot to ask to draw attention to all these issues and to hold them all up here and to think re really critically about them all because most of our news aggregates are no longer in integrity and doing the kind of reporting that I believe they were meant to do. Yeah. So now we have to take it upon ourselves to do all that research in our in our spare time. Like, when is that? Well, you know. that's what I do. I do research for, for, for people. That I mean, that's literally my role here. But um, uh, so casting back, I mean, we opened this up with the idea that Scott Davidson, the CEO of the life insurance company, is talking about 40% increase in excess deaths in working age people, 18 to 64. And we reviewed that data and saw that it's, it's not just statistically unlikely, like, you know, a p-value of having a 0.05 means if it has a 1 in 20 chance of like happening by accident, we say maybe that's statistically significant, right? 1 in 20 can still happen, right? Your D&D 20-sided die will sometimes roll the number you want, right? Um, but so it happens. It's not that unlikely. But 40% increase should happen, according to my statistics, once every billion years or so on its own by accident, absent a war or some other causative explanatory factor, and we don't yet have the data to say, is it long COVID? Is it related to COVID? Or was it related to inappropriate lockdown procedures and other things? Are, are these all small business owners who were destroyed and you know gave up the ghost because drank themselves to death or used fentanyl or something because they were otherwise dispirited to that extent? Or was it something else? And we should be examining that with all of our energy. And instead we're just, ghosting it, ignoring it, and taking it away, which makes me suspicious. So here's here's how I work. I scan for two things when I'm trying to figure out what to talk about. I consider that the media commits, what, what I'm told, when I say the media, I'm really talking about the narrative that's allowed to filter through. So the media to me includes what is promoted to me on Twitter and what's missing, um, what's promoted on Facebook and what's missing. Um, I track who's getting suspended and all of that. And out of this, I create sort of a tapestry, and I do read the newspapers too, and I watch as much TV as I need to know what they're thinking. And, and, and so um, from that, I develop my operative framework, which is there are sins of omission and commission. A sin of omission is just a straight-up lie. A sin of, um, of sorry, of commission is straight-up lie, and a sin of omission is what are they not talking about? Mm. Like what's missing in this story? It is completely missing in this story that we are not talking about a 40% increase mm -hmm. in deaths in working age people. And so now we have to ask the next question is, well, why aren't we talking about that? So back to your point. We're not talking about this because people are just confused or otherwise well, I mean, shell-shocked from the yeah. whole COVID experience. But <clears throat> I mean, it's got to be more than credit. that. You know, I don't want to say that because I feel like all of us are... I mean, we're, let's imagine we're all average thinkers, you know, we're not stupid. It's that we have so much on our plates, you know, trying to take care of kids, trying to whatever, you know, do our personal projects, trying to run a farm, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you just take that plus working. It's, it's enough to drive people to the grave anyway. <laughs> well, I get that. And, and my point, though, is that that's true for you and people listening to this and people who have busy lives, but it's somebody's job to track this. That's true. So to the extent somebody's got a busy job and they're welding or teaching kids or doing whatever they're doing or trucking things across the country, that's fine. But the CDC has a $42 billion budget or whatever it is. You know, it's like, I don't know what it's big number. Yeah, no, I agree right? with you about It's that. somebody's job to not 
not track this, right? <laughs> so they, at any rate, that that's my expectation. But the fact that they aren't tells me lots. Oh yeah. In this story, that's like that's like the Biden laptop. <laughs> Shh. You know what I mean, though. That conspiracy fact that just came true. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, again. And for the dystopian screen. But but that novel. was no. That's a perfect example. So so the Biden laptop, which was. You were not allowed to talk about it. And it's not like you weren't allowed to talk about it. The nation's oldest newspaper, the New York Post, published a well-documented, editorially scrubbed article about its veracity, and they got their Twitter account suspended. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's, that's again, Oops. that now that's a sin of commission. That, that's an active, um, malignant, malicious act of censorship. Um, which does not advance our nation, does not advance a sense of togetherness, does not advance truth, justice, the American way, any of that stuff. So, so whatever's going on um, in those stories is is really quite bad. But, but you know, so that's a politically embarrassing story. So I can almost make an exception for that compared to right. completely memory holding a forty percent increase in excess. So let me put this in, in in numbers. That is somewhere, depending on who's doing the statistics, how you look at it. Somewhere between 170 and 270,000 excess deaths that weren't expected. The Vietnam War was 58,000 deaths. So what we're talking about here is anywhere from three and a half to five or so Vietnam Wars of, mm-hmm. of excess unexpected mortality in a certain age group of people, which shouldn't be happening. Full stop. So again, Where's the curiosity? Where, where's the inquiry? Where's the at least the ex- explanatory function to come along and say, well, we added it up. It's this, 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 and this. And then we can go, I'm not sure you got it right. Show us your data. You know, that would be the process, but it's just whoosh, sins of omission. Mm-hmm. This thing is just gone from, from, the, from, the, from the landscape at this point. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. weird, right? So that tells me something, and you can fill in the blanks for yourself, but <clears throat> it, all I know is that it's not, from the common knowledge game, one if something's still in private knowledge, I'll guarantee you there are people inside the CDC sitting on this information, maybe even leaning over the cubicle and talking to the person next going, dude, I'm sitting on all this data about these excess deaths. This isn't right. And the other, the other person would be like, yeah, you know, you're right. It's totally not right. There's, they might even be public. There might even be whole. They might even have little meetings about it, but it's not. They can't talk about it yet because it's not common knowledge so i'm talking about it because it should be common it should be common knowledge <laughs> it should be it really should it be it needs to be it I deserves mean, it, to be right and if you know if there are people obviously that that passed away whose lives you know mean something as well and why they passed away and of what or because of what you know i think it's as a i, I don't know as humans maybe because mm. I, I don't even want to break it down any further as humans i think it if we're going to consider life, our own lives valuable, then I feel like we should be considering these things more seriously and caring about what the answers are to these questions. Well, of course, uh, we de- we deserve an- we deserve answers, mm-hmm. right? If my tax dollars go to support a multi-billion-dollar agency whose only job is to sift through this data, I kind of expect they're going to do that. It'd be like, what if we gave forty billion dollars a year to your local state road crew? And nothing ever got done. Just potholes and bridges falling into rivers, right? right? And everybody just shrugs and says, what are you going to do? You know, um, I, I think we got to break out of that. So uh, at any rate, um, so what do we got? Do we have any good comments? Oh, we got great comments going on here. So we do. Yeah, 40%. Yeah, you're right. That is, 
Rudy, that is biblical. Uh, it's a it's a huge huge number. It's it's tragedy. Every one of those is, is 170 to 270,000 is a statistic. One of those is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Every one of those is a tragedy. For well, the yeah. And it's so weird, you know, back to the whole the COVID thing. It's just so bizarre to me. I don't know. It probably is to other people as well, but it's just so weird how like if you care about you know other people you're going to wear this mask you're going to do this you're going to change your your behavior in these these ways and and they're willing to sort of shove people into a corner you know and time out for not doing those things mm-hmm. you know including what happened up in Canada with people protesting like it's just frustrating to me that <clears throat> i i just don't like that kind of hypocrisy it pisses me off <laughs> me too so so let me um let me tell you one of the other clues I have in this story. So, uh, Aaron, we'll go to this slide right now. So this is, again, a sin of omission. So here we have, uh, again, we, I've, I don't know how many studies we have now, a couple dozen for sure. And this study says vitamin D deficiency was found in 82.2% of COVID-19 cases and 47.2% of population-based controls. So 80%... of COVID-19 cases, cases, so these are people who present at the hospital, had vitamin D deficiency. Only 47% of the population had low vitamin D. So Hmm. if it was even, Stephen, if it had no impact, 47% of the population would have low vitamin D, 47% of the population would have Mm COVID-19 cases, right? In that that story, as you you look at it. So in here, you can see it even more clearly, breaking it out by concentration, and so um, this is under, I believe, 20 nanograms per ml and this, or is that, or is that a 10? I can't read it from here. I can't see it either. And is this 10, yeah, this is 10 to 20 and 20 to 30. So that's under 10 down there. And then um, over 30 nanograms per ml. By the way, I think the actual cutoff is 50 nanograms per ml to be completely practically bulletproof, not just from COVID, mm-hmm. but from all kinds of things out there. True. So. And then you look at the number of um, COVID-19 cases that are out there in, the, in these black bars, and you see, look how many of them are down here in the, in the under 20 nanograms per ml. And then there's practically, you know, relatively far fewer out here and almost none out here. And if you were out at the 50 nanograms per ml, it would be pretty much zeros. So this is what we've known. We've known about this for a long time. How many times have you heard anybody in a position of authority, Rochelle Walensky, director of the CDC, Anthony Fauci from the NIAID, um, director of the FDA. How many times have you heard any of them say, my fellow Americans and people of the world, it's really vital. We've come across some incredible information. If you can get your vitamin D levels up over at least a minimum of 30 nanograms per ml, we'd prefer 50 nanograms per ml, your chance of getting COVID drops, your chance of being in the ICU and your chance of dying from COVID drop precipitously right go get your blood tested and if you need to go get your blood tested otherwise we recommend whatever they would recommend 5,000 IUs a day for people particularly if you happen to be older and you're stuck inside of a uh, an old folks home and you don't see the sun you are particularly at risk due to age Mm. and lack of of solar exposure to, to have low vitamin D we've known about vitamin D I've put my first episode out about this in spring of 2020. The data was already there. I know. We haven't mentioned, it hasn't been mentioned even once. This is a sin of omission. Now, here's the question. Why? Why would you not mention this? Money. 
dark theory is that adequate levels of vitamin D don't just help with COVID-19. They help with all sorts of disease processes. Mm -hmm. There's not one person incentivized. Remember, you show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. Mm -hmm. There is no incentive for whatever reason inside the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, or the NAAD, or within HHS as a collection umbrella for all of those. There's no incentive in there to talk about vitamin D. They have some other set of incentives. But clearly, they don't have an incentive to talk about vitamin D, possibly because more people get on vitamin D, the fewer profits there are for a whole host of companies who make profits off of sickness and disease. Mm -hmm. Could it be something else? I suppose it could, but I can't think of an organizing principle that explains it any better than that because it's cheap and easy and freely available, and you would be a hero if you came out and announced that and all these people suddenly started getting better You'd think that would be a win, but it's not for some reason. Yeah. Right. So everybody, everybody should just everybody listening this to, listening to this should definitely take vitamin D if you're not already. Well, it, we're not medical. Helps. We're not medical. We don't give out medical we advice. Don't, we don't. I don't give out medical advice, but <clears throat> I'll I'll do what Anthony Fauci did. You can pretend you're Jennifer Garner. So only time he mentioned vitamin D ever, he was on Jennifer Garner's vlog. I guess he was a little starstruck. Yeah, He's like, "Ooh, like look her. at this hot woman over here." So you just play <laughs> Jennifer Garner. Uh, you can fill in this role and just say, um, "Ask me, hey, hey, Chris, what do you t- do? You take anything?" So is there anything in particular that you take? Oh yeah, I take vitamin <laughs> D, and. I'm sorry. He did. He did. That's the only time. That's the only time I'm aware of him ever mentioning vitamin D as something you should take is when he was starstruck, (laughs) and he Uh, mentioned that he personally takes vitamin D. Well, how is this not? How is this even a thing that vitamin D is not mentioned? It 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 has a statistically proven benefit. Everybody should know about it. That's why I talk about it all the time. People should know about it. I know. I do take it. Right. I I do because. I got this cheap Swedish skin, you know, and uh, I, don't, I don't like the sun. I've got a little vampire, Swedish and vampire. I have those things. I know. You and, do. And so I have to take vitamin D because otherwise my, my levels. Um, uh, yeah. At any rate, I think we're here at the end of our time now tonight. And so what I want to do is just thank everybody for being here. This is the live cast format. It's been fun having you here. It's been great being here with Evie, of course, and uh, having Aaron manage the system for us. This has been a lot of fun. So this is what we're going to do. And by the way, we have part two is over at the website. And it's really about um, this financial calamity that's uh, sort of coming forward at this point in time. So, hey, with that, uh, if you want to see part two of this, I have a big talk with, with a guy who runs a hedge fund talking about the death of the petrodollar in slightly more detail than we did tonight. Plus the community. Plus the community. <laughs> plus what I actually think about what's happening oh, right, in terms of how COVID is affecting people, the spike protein, I should say, let me be careful um, about that. So at any rate, that's all. That's what we have for you tonight. Uh, come on by peakprosperity.com. Check it out. Love to see you there too. Otherwise we will see you here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Good to go. All right. With that, have a good night, everyone. And we will see you next time.